Now I can say good morning. Everybody hear me? Okay. And uh, I did say you're welcome if you're visiting. Get a free lunch, right? I did say that. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? <laughs> okay, today's message is uh, one of those that um, gives me a little bit of distress, to be honest. I'm, I'm nervous. You can't tell I'm nervous, can you? How about now? Okay. We have been walking through the Ten Commandments. So if you're visiting and you're wondering where we are, we're in the Ten Commandments. And what I did was I started at the bottom of the list. Everybody remember the Ten Commandments? Remember we've been talking about them? Okay, can, can we review them? What do you think? What's the first one? We'll start, oh, great question. Are we starting from the bottom or the top like you? You know, Because I start at the bottom. They're trying to know, how do we follow you? Anyway, with great difficulty. Let's start at the top. What's the first commandment? Yeah. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Two. No idols. Very good, Dylan. Three. Look how quickly. How, huh? Nope. They had it right. Shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It starts, it starts, yes, read it. (laughs) First, sorry. Uh, Two places you can find it, Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus chapter 20, right? So we start with God, no idols, the name of the Lord. By the way, these are moving down progressively from God-centered to eventually man-directional. And the same thing works in the opposite direction. So we're down to three. Now number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five. Honor your father and your mother who are the chief models of God our Father in heaven. That's why it's so important. Oops. And why it can be so destructive, right? Five. Six. Yeah, no murder. It's bad. Seven. No, that's later. Adultery. Next, the next heavily impacting social disorder after murder is sexual immorality. It's why we're falling up. Your parents will explain it to you later, Dylan. That was awesome. Domo arigato gozaimasu. That was awesome. And I hope your parents will explain it to you in depth. It is my... It, it, now, now that we're stuck on that... <laughs> now that we're stuck on the... Uh, which one is that? Seven? Number seven? Um, it is my conviction that the reason we're falling apart at the seams is because of the sexual revolution of 30 years ago. It's having an impact. It's affecting our psyche. It, it, we have no boundaries, and because we have no boundaries, we're falling apart internally. And then people go nuts and fall apart externally. Enough of that. There's number seven. Number, uh, where am I now? Eight. Yeah. See, I didn't go into math on purpose. <laughs> What's next? Boy, you guys can't make up your mind. Stealing. And then after that, lying. And then the thing that solves it, that keeps you from going up the negative ladder from 
least offensive to most offensive, least damaging to most damaging is what? Control what's going on between your ears. Don't covet. If you can do that, you'll prevent yourself from climbing the sin ladder, if you will. Last week, I, I, I meddled with the order. I knew it was Memorial Day. That's probably what threw you off when you picked the wrong one, right? Because I flipped the Sabbath with do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain because I knew it was Memorial Day and so many people would probably be away, but they all showed up anyway. I didn't know what to do with that. (laughs) So I was hoping more of you would come today. And that's one of my concerns is I don't want to preach the choir. You're the choir. You're here. You're the good guys. You know what I mean? So... We want to talk about the subject of the Sabbath. So the name of my sermon today is kind of abstruse. The Conviction of Mr. Little. And I know that there are people in the room, because did you look it up? Okay, because there are people I was talking with who might not know who this is. The Conviction of Mr. Little is not a movie about a crime scene. The Conviction of Mr. Little is referring to Mr. Eric Little's conviction about the Sabbath. If you haven't seen it ever, I recommend it's an old movie now, Chariots of Fire. It's the story of Eric Little who competed in the 1924 Olympics. He was a Scot who loved the Lord deeply. In fact, he went to the mission field after his uh, Notoriety, if you will, is his fame uh, because of being such a fantastic runner. And what happened was, so I'll just give you the story quickly, and I would love to have shown you the video, but the problem with the video, it's all in in English-British English. English. No offense, brother. And... uh, (laughs) But when you listen to the movie, you can't hear one they're saying. Well, and everybody hey, what? Yeah, that'd be jolly good. I think what was here, you know. And so you'd be listening to it going, "What's going on?" So I thought I'll just tell you the story. So the 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 British were competing against America, especially. There's an American believer on that team named Jackson who heard about this and in the great scene where he wins where Eric Little wins the gold medal for I believe it was a race he was not supposed to run I'm going to explain that in a minute the 400 meters 1924 Jackson walks up to him on the field while he's saying everybody good luck everybody good luck Little's telling everybody who's competing with him good luck they're looking at him like who is this guy he loves the Lord He loves them. They're not his enemy. And Jackson comes up and sticks a piece of paper in his hand. And you can't see it in the video. That's why I have to tell you. So he opens it up and he looks back at Jackson and it says, He who honors the Lord, the Lord will honor. And when he gave it to him, he said, Good luck. And he went back. Those of you who are legalists and say, you know, saying good luck is sinful, just get over that. But anyhow, so... What had happened was the powers that be, even the Duke of York, were pressing this man to run, but the race was scheduled on Sunday, and Eric Little had a firm conviction that that was the Sabbath, and he was not to do that. And even the powers of royalty were leaning on him. 
Aren't you arrogant to hold to this position? His response, aren't you arrogant to tell me to violate my conscience against the living God? That's not an exact quote, but that was the idea. Holy cow, that guy must have chutzpah, don't you think? Solid conviction. So he refused to run. So another member of his team came and gave him his place in the 400, even though that was not his main race. He was a sprinter. He runs the 400, and he wins. And, of course, he believes, and and the famous quote is he's arguing with his somewhat legalistic Christian sister who's going to the mission field. They were born in China. He goes back to China. He dies in an internment camp eventually. But he's arguing with his sister that God made me fast. Remember that? I've quoted that before. Jenny, God made me fast. (laughs) And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Well, that's the conviction of Eric Little. Surely we're more enlightened than he is. Or are we? Here's my dread today. My dread is I don't want to be legalistic. I, in no way, I, I, I think false guilt is a terrible reason to serve God. And a lot of you are doing that. <laughs> Can I just tell you? I think that's a terrible reason to serve God. False guilt. Rather than spirit motivation. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. So I have a certain amount of dread about addressing this, if you will. But the thing of convictions is what got my just the thought of his radical conviction. He didn't care who he had to stand against to hold to his conviction. And we may look at him and say, well, that's a little bit rigid, isn't it? And by the way, I would agree. But I would say pendulumitis has certainly set in from 1924 when believers were over here to 19... What are we in? 2000... I'm old. I'm old. Is it 1999 yet? Oh, it's 2017. I'd say the pendulum has swung way over in the other direction. Wouldn't you agree? Um, Where I think I think it's kind to say we're very sloppy about our reverence toward the God of Heaven. So maybe today, as we unpack this, we can get some uh, enjoyment as well as some insight out of what I. I need to share uh, relating to worship. So I, I have to tell you that when I came to Harmony, it's been four years. Can you believe I've been here four years? How can you stand me this long? I just, I don't get that. But four years, uh, when I came, I noticed that our Sabbath, and of course we're not under Sabbath law, but our commitment to that was not too healthy. So over the years, I've been observing and watching. I'm, I'm not going to get real nasty today. I'm only going to get a little nasty. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm hoping I don't get nasty at all. I hope the Holy Spirit makes application where he needs to in our inner man. But I have just been thrown. When I knew I was in the Ten Commandments, I knew this one was coming. So I just kept throwing all these Rainer articles in the, in the file. I had so many, I just had to weed them all out and just use a few of them, or we'd be here for two hours, and then you'd really never want to come back. So, right? That'd be too bad. So let me, let me read a few things that are kind of fun. Fifteen really strange reasons, because we always have reasons why we can put off this issue. 
15 really strange reasons not to attain, uh, attend church. Because we make that connection, right? You, you, I don't have to spell that out. Sunday is the day we gather, and we'll look at that in a few minutes. But what do Peanut Butter Girlfriends and Rambo the Dog have in common? They were all used as reasons not to attend church services. <laughs> Some of the responses were common, and you'll know these, right? There's hypocrites in the church. Yeah, well, welcome to the family. Uh, in case you have never figured out, every one of us are a hypocrite somewhere along the line. Hello? Okay. McFly? Okay, anyway. <laughs> Worshipping on the lake is more meaningful to me. <laughs> or on the golf course. Oh, I've heard those. Yeah, let me help you. Wor- anyway, come to my karate class. I'll help you worship real well on the floor. And, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. The pastor preaches too long or short. How do you win? Anyway, here's the, here's, the, uh, here's the list. He said, I've gotten fascinating responses. Are you ready for these? We were out of peanut butter. That's it. Of course, no one can worship without his or her peanut butter. I mean, I was too drunk, so I went soul winning with my dog Rambo. Rainer's answer to that was, I sure hope Rambo was sober. (laughs) Maybe you didn't get that. I don't know. Both of my girlfriends attend church there. (laughs) Listen to the groaning. You think he may have other issues besides not attending church? Here's a good one. Mike, where are you? Mike, are you in here? Okay, the worship leader pulls up his pants too often. It's distracting. That's why he leaves his shirt tail out. Then that solved that? Was it out today? I didn't notice. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many. I'm not going to read them all. Gas prices are too high. Oh, wait. There's another one that goes with that. Where was it? Oh, here it is. The church is too close to drive and too far to walk. Can I just say something? My wife has a great expression. That person doesn't have the sense to be embarrassed. Have you ever heard that one? And that person didn't have the sense to be embarrassed. But anyway, how do you win? Pass- oh, here's, uh, gas pro- here's, here's one. The pastor is too attractive. <laughs> why are you laughing so hard? That's why... <laughs> Wow, that opens up a whole thing. Anyway, the pastor's too attractive. When I see him preaching, I have impure thoughts, and I am distracted. I will stand with Mr. Rayner, who said, I never got that complaint when I was preaching. Oh, my gosh, who has more fun than people? That's another one my wife says. The pastor stays in the Bible too much. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Just who does he think he is? Here's another one. I couldn't get the lid off the peanut butter. I never thought there would be a peanut butter theme to avoiding church. Here's a good one. We got burned out at church and have been taking a break the past seven years. I always get hemorrhoids on Sunday. Okay, all right. 
That's a terrible day for hemorrhoids, right? And here's, here's probably one that's very spiritual. Someone called me brother instead of using my name. Yes, my friends, there's always a good reason somewhere. I understand people have quit going to church. There's a big group of people called the Duns. The Duns. Not the nuns. The Duns. They've just had enough of the fighting and stupidity and bad behavior that does happen, right? I get that. I totally get that. There's a bigger principle involved with whether... I'm happy. Yes, there's hypocrites. Yes, there are times churches seem so absolutely irrelevant. What's being spoken is like into the air. How does it relate to me? I get that. I've heard a few of those kind of sermons. I've probably preached a couple here and there. I hope today isn't one of them. So I do have dread because I feel like in a way with our culture, the way I, I, I'm, I'm dreading speaking to the choir, if you will. And so I'm commissioning you all, tell everybody who missed Sunday, you need to listen to last Sunday's sermon. In fact, uh, I would like to start putting them on disc so that our people who work downstairs during this hour don't miss out on what we, on what we are sharing because there's a reason I share with us. Because the congregation that we're part of, where we gather, the word of God being taught is specifically for us. I mean, podcasts are great. I get all of that. But podcast pastors can't pastor you. They don't know you. And um, I'll stay on track. Okay. So I dread being thought legalistic. Listen, listen carefully. I really mean this. I feel like it's, the culture is like Niagara Falls. Can you imagine trying to push Niagara Falls backwards? Because the whole culture just absorbs this gift that God gave us of a day off to pay attention to him, which is what it is. So I don't want to be appearing as bemoaning the good old days because, frankly, most of them are gone. I'm not trying to scold I simply want to speak life and edify us because God has a good thing on our behalf available. And by the way, um, I'm not even going to talk about that the fact that every pastor that I know just about wrestles with the fact that Christians don't take their worship on Sunday seriously. It's one of the single most discouraging things. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not. I'm speaking into what did Christ do for us and fulfill for us? And is there, really, this is the question for me, is there an inner necessity in my soul about seeking God out? You know? Are we, if we're, if that new nature, if the nature of Jesus is in me, we're going to see his model in a few minutes, then what is in me seeking him out? Why do I need him? So, uh, Hopefully, maybe in some cases, we'll decide, I'm doing pretty well. My convictions are solid. Maybe I'll have to decide, you know, I need to establish a couple of convictions for my own well-being and for my own spiritual progress. And that might be of profit for us. So if you're a note taker, we're up to the portion in the uh, notes that says faith and principle. Principles. The New Testament doesn't put us under law. And I know I'm preaching on the Ten Commandments, so by now, everybody in the room should be hyper-legalistic after all these weeks. No, that's not what we want. 
We want to be able to walk in freedom. And the freedom that God gives us in the spirit is to live by principles. There are principles. Have you noticed there are principles? All of those Old Testament commands are repeated in the New Testament as principles. Things. I didn't even push the button. Are you on this? You're wonderful. You're hired. Okay. I totally forgot about my little clicky thing here or whatever. It's gone. Let me just read the text to you. Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to put the final verse on the screen for us today. I Remember the Sabbath day. Remember, call to mind, keep or commemorate the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your cattle, your sojourner who stays with you, anybody who works your fields, whoever it is, everybody in your household and in your community gets the day off. Isn't that great? For, here's the verse I want you to see. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He desisted. That's the word. He desisted. He stopped making. He relaxed, if you will. Now, he didn't stop totally or everything would fly apart. You understand God holds everything together all the time. You don't stop living, you don't stop breathing, you don't stop. But he desisted, he held back from more work. And so he puts a blessing on the Sabbath day and makes it holy for the children of God. Now we're dealing with a principle that really is pre-law. See, we say, well, it's not repeated in the New Testament. You're right, and I'm going to explain why in a few minutes, why that's so and why it's kind of downplayed because of, the, because of their culture 2,000 years ago. It makes perfect sense. But there was something going on just like, can I, can I meddle for a second? I only heard one person say, sure, and no one said no, so I win. Okay, and take something like the tithe, and we go, well, that's not in the New Testament. You don't have to, You're in an absolute sense, under the grace of God, you don't have to do anything, really. But doesn't the nature of Jesus in you want to please him and walk in the place of blessing? I want to be in the place of blessing. So there's a principle that came out before the law was ever given to Israel. Did you know that? Abraham rescued his family from wicked kings and all of the, the um, spoils that he took, he gave a tithe to the God of heaven. Jacob promised God a tithe of all the blessing God would bring him if he would just bless him. And God said, okay, I'm in on that. And the blessing came. It's not out of law. It was a principle. There's something there. There's something about the seventh Sabbath, the seventh break, that God designed to work with our being, with the way we were made. And that's some of what I'm hoping will uh, filter down into our soul. So... Some people thought, well, we're supposed to imitate God and rest, but it's less about that and more about keeping something in mind. And here's what it's communicating. The world will actually go on without you. I know that's hard to believe, all of you control freaks. No, no control freaks in this room, right? Thank you for being honest. We have one, oh, two Christians in the room. All right, thank you, Jesus. Control free. Hey, let's let's get let's 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 have some fun. So we're in the Old Testament. 
God is bringing the children of Israel out of bondage. That's significant. We're going to come back to that. Out of bondage into freedom. I don't want to spoil my thunder here. That's later. They say, how are we going to eat? God says, I'll take care of it. Manna comes down from heaven. Everybody remember that? The people look at this stuff on the ground. Moses says, God's provided this for you to eat. Now, by the way, they haven't gotten to Mount Horeb where they got the law yet. There's no law yet. Are you hearing me? There's no law yet. They haven't gotten to Horeb. What's this stuff on the ground? Hey, Moses says, this is God's provision. This is heavenly food, a heavenly bread. They look at it and they go, manu. That's Hebrew for what is it? <laughs> Moses says, try it, you'll like it. <laughs> they say, but manu, what is it? He says, try it, you'll like it. Anybody old enough to remember the Alka-Seltzer ad, right? So I tried it, thought I was going to die. But anyway, that's where it comes from. Manu, what is it? That's how it got the name. So God says to them, listen up. You're my people now. You're free. And I'm going to provide for you. You don't even have to, you know, they were, we're going to get back to this. They were slaves. Every day you went to work. You're lucky to live through it. Now I'm providing for you. Bread from heaven. Here's what I want you to do. Very simple. Can you keep the, just simple, simple little principle I want you to try out. Just try it. Six days, manna's going to be on the ground. You gather it up and you eat it. How complicated is that? On the last day, sixth day, I'm going to give you double so that you stay in your tent the next day and rest. What? I don't want to rest. Well, apparently there are people like that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So here it is. The sixth day, there's double the amount. They collect it. They go in. Oh, that's not good enough. Next day is the Sabbath. (laughs) Sneak up. Let's get some more. Didn't work that way. This is pre-law. Everything that they tried to store up in the earlier days of the week would rot by the next morning. But on the sixth day, it would last till the next morning. Can you imagine living under that, seeing that kind of supernatural stuff going on all the time? I'm telling you, that's what it was. So the sixth day, it would go double. You could keep it, and it wouldn't rot, so you could eat it on the Sabbath and stay in your tent. (laughs) Meditate on how good God is that I'm not working in the slave fields anymore. And maybe watch a little TV. I don't know. But they couldn't even do that. They had to go sneak out. Are you getting it? What is, the, what is that a picture of? We say, oh, we're New Testament Christians. We're not under law. We walk by faith. Oh, yeah? What do you think that was? That was walking by faith. I'm going to trust God. There'll be enough on the sixth day. I don't have to double up all during the week. And on the last day of the week, I'll have enough. It'll do me the next day. The world will go on without me controlling the universe. It's a picture of relying on the living God. You see what I'm saying? That's what it is. It's a picture that you belong to God that marks his children, the Jewish people especially, who are marked by the Sabbath. Look how... 
rigidly they pay attention to that, right? If you're driving up north into Sullivan County on the just before it's sundown, look out. Because they got to get in the house before it's sundown, because that's the rule. Aren't you glad you're not under that kind of regulation? But there's a blessing hidden in here. That's the point. So, recall to mind, uh, this manner gathering thing <laughs> was a great picture of relying upon God. Sometimes we look at church, it, it made me think of this joke I found in the AARP magazine, no comment. Stan says, my wife treats me like I'm a god. Steve says, oh, she worships, honor, and obeys you? Stan said, no, she ignores me until she wants something. (laughs) Ow! If it didn't sound like Christians, uh, it'd be funny. Anyway, so I got an email early on from one of our brothers, Sabbath. How much trouble are we in? Exodus 31. Moses instructs the Israelites to observe the Sabbath day or be put to death. Yikes! How have we gotten so far away from those instructions? Well, thankfully, we won't be put to death. Christ paid the penalty for every lack in your life. Isn't that good news? And that's what it's all about. But because he has paid the penalty... He has done so not just to let me off the hook, but to give me life and life abundant. And so there are principles such as a Sabbath principle that I need to apply in my spirit. So that brings me to the next point, old and new. Basically, I'm talking about the Old and New Testament, if you will. There's a difference. Obedience to God, actually a manifestation of trust. I was reading in some scholarship as I was prepping for this, and and, uh, it would be a fascinating study to search this out. I don't have time right now. Maybe one of you will. Um, But he mentioned this. Non-Judeo-Christian cultures have always had holidays, you know, festival days, honoring certain gods or whatever. But apparently, the one-day break in seven was not a universal experience. The Hebrews reinstated that, if you will. Judeo-Christian culture has captivated that. The Christians went from Old Testament Sabbath on Saturday because the day is not that critical. Do you understand what I'm saying? But a day that belongs to God is some of the principle of, of concentrating, of giving him attention. So the New Testament Christians, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, took the first day of the week, which is Sunday which, by the way, they refer to in the New Testament as the Lord's Day. Okay? So that was the transition. And um, originally, if you were a Hebrew, you were way out in a rural community. Your Sabbath was in your home. Your family together prayed and gave thanks and worshipped Yahweh. And if you had the privilege of going to one of the festivals, three major festivals a year, you would travel to Jerusalem. And then later, because of that need for social reminder and uh, encouragement, the synagogue came into being. And even the Lord Jesus had as his habit. I want to show you a passage here. Uh, We we need to, yeah, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his habit, was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. It was just part of his experience. 
I do believe that uh, by the habits we develop, we train ourselves, we train our spirit, we train others around us as well. We had the distinct simplicity in our life, raising five children, that Sunday activities outside of church just weren't an option. I'm telling you the truth. That's a blessing to this day. I'm sorry, I'm booked. I'm sorry, I can't make that. Well, that sounds like fun. Too bad I can't be there. Well, you're, not, you're a preacher. You have to do that. Can anybody do the math on that and figure out what's wrong with that picture? <laughs> in other words, that's like the, the Christian pastor's joke. You know, I'm paid to be good. You're good for nothing. You ever hear that? <laughs> it's a terrible joke, right? That's not true, right? It's not true. We're all called to worship God. We're all called to be his disciples. Anybody? Am I making sense? So there was a real blessing in that freedom. And Jesus modeled that as a habit in his life. I read this a while back. I'm going to do it again because it's just so hysterical. But I have a feeling that sometimes it's lost on us. The Babylon Bee article. Anybody remember that? They're they're satirists. A little sarcasm here. Okay. After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, a news article. After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, quarterly church attendance, parish parents shocked by daughter's lack of faith. The Babylon Bee, 4716. Fullerton, California, local father Trevor Mickelson, 48, and his wife Carrie, 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday, they didn't have a more pressing sporting commitment, which was at least once every three months. She no longer demonstrates the strong quarterly commitment to the faith that they raised her with now that she is college-aged. Trevor Mickelson was simply stunned at the revelation. I just don't understand it. Almost every single time there was a rained-out game or a break between school and club team sessions, we had Janie in church. It was at least once per quarter, and aside from the one tournament in 2011, we never missed an Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to a game, (laughs) added Janie's mother. And here comes the slammer. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church just keeps failing this generation. Lamented Trevor, citing a recently Googled study by Barna or someone. (laughs) There's always someone. The Mickelsons further noted plans to have a chat with the pastor of their church after their younger son Robert's soccer season calms down a bit. One of the articles that said, uh, in fact, here it is, five reasons church members attend church less frequently Tom Rayner was saying about 20 years ago, a church member was considered active in the church if he or she attended three times a week. Now, by the way, I don't think all of that's healthy either. Can I just be blunt? In order to balance out legalism. Today, a church member is considered active in the church if he or she attends three times a month. I'll tell you what I wrote in my margin. I'd be happy with that. 
something is wrong with this picture. We're minimizing the importance of the local church is one of the reasons. When we do, we're less likely to attend. A few drops of rain may keep folks from attending church, but it won't stop them from sitting three hours in a downpour watching their favorite football team. I told you I'm really nervous about preaching to the choir today, okay? I really am. We worship the idols of activity. Many members will replace a day in their church with a day at kids' soccer, softball games, sleeping off the hangover of the previous day's activity, whatever it might happen to be. Years ago, Leonard Ravenhill, a great revival preacher, mentioned the idolatry in our culture. But that's another command, isn't it? Idolatry. We have to save that. But the idolatry of sports and entertainment. They are idols. Make no mistake. We give them much more attention than we can give God at times. And uh, there you go. So, Jesus made it a habit your family and others will be influenced favorably or negatively by your habit, by your conviction, what actually matters. Another verse. On the first day of the week, they were gathered together to break bread. Paul began talking with them. That was the Lord's Day when people worshipped in the New Testament time. And last week, we were praying before worship time. And I'm going to pick on Adrian because you prayed it. You. Prayed it. And, and it was, can I, can I take the liberty? You're, you're okay with this. I'm going to reveal something, okay. Because I, I have felt the same. I'm sure everybody in this room, why am I doing this again today? Right? Getting up, going to church. Anybody? You never feel that way? Good for you, sister. You pray for me. That's a... Come on, I mean, once in a while, it's like, ah, same. And as, as Adrian was praying, he was saying, I think we may undervalue what it means when the saints come together and what could possibly happen. Paul said, when, I'm, when you're gathered together, this was a case of discipline. When you're gathered together and the spirit of the Lord Jesus is with you and I'm also with you in spirit. There was something dynamic. And I think there's a, you know, the weight of unbelief in our culture weighs down us. We come without expectation. Is God going to touch me today? Is he going to speak to me? Is he going to convict me? I was, I was observing my, my brother being laid to rest yesterday uh, at a funeral in upstate New York. And guy knew the Lord, loved the Lord. We loved them. They were close to them. And there was a sense of the presence of God in the room. Probably, I, I said to someone, and I've, done, I've been at a few funerals, friends. I've done a lot of them, hundreds, and I've attended hundreds. It's probably the best one I've ever been in. It was a sense of the presence of God, and the reality of eternity was oozing in on me, if you will. We're going to live beyond this world, right? I'm preparing now. That's why we're here. We're preparing now for what we're about to experience. That was a good prayer. You get points for that. (laughs) Last thing, significance. What about the significance of the Lord's day? Here's what the, the command says. I'm going to put up another verse here. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Celebrate, guard, preserve. Listen to the words, observe. Celebrate, guard, preserve, defend, protect. 
protect it. Observe the Sabbath day. Then he gives all those commands about who can't work. And then he says at the end, look at the rest of this statement. Isn't this great? You shall remember that you were what? A slave in Egypt. You didn't have any break time. You were oppressed by a people that were under the control of false gods, demons. No value to human life. You are oppressed. You have been released into liberty. Don't go back into slavery. That's what he's saying. Doesn't that have an application? The Lord your God brought you out there by a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe, to defend, to preserve, to protect the Sabbath day. Oh, some of us were challenged. We were working through a... A uh, mentoring time with the, I got it right now because I got the title right in front of me, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Book by Peter Scazzaro. And no, Dr. Phil had nothing to do with it, but (laughs) I always quote him. (laughs) Discover the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. It was just an article online. I saw it as if this is news. It's not really news, but... Our culture really believes that being busy is cool. Did you know that? We're busy. We're cool. Oh, I don't want to get off on cell phones, but if I'm on it, I'm busy. I'm cool. I'm busy. I'm at war with busy. People say, I know you're busy. You said that, not me. I didn't say that. You said it. Check it out. Next time you say it to me. (laughs) You said that. Busy. That's cool. Busy means production. Busy means significance. It means I'm doing something. Yeah, you sure are. May not be good. Discover the rhythm. Stop to breathe. Listen to the subtitle of this. Stop to breathe the air of eternity. We're living in a blizzard is the description. We can't see our hands in front of our face, so to speak. It's because we get too busy. Listen to what he says. Our overproductivity. Listen, we admire people who are able to accomplish so much in so little time. They're our role models. Overproductivity becomes counterproductive. We end our days exhausted from work and raising children, and then our free time on weekends becomes filled with more demands in an already overburdened life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we go, oh, it's Memorial Day. Oh, Lord, help. You know, we come back wasted. Into the new week. The exact opposite of what God had in mind by giving you a break. He wouldn't have even had a break had it been for the Judeo-Christian tradition. Think about it. And now we have Sundays off, sort of. And then we got Saturdays off, which was an extra bonus. We still kill ourselves. Right? And uh, I wonder how God feels about that, you know. And he gets no credit and no space anymore on his day, if you will. And I'm, I'm not asking to go back to blue laws and all of that. No, no interest in that at all. In fact, there was a, a piece in here somewhere. Here it is about the Ten Commandments, uh, some of the scholarship. Listen to this. By its very nature, the Sabbath command creates... Who is this? This is the Daily Bible Study Series by H.L. Ellison. This is pretty good. Its very nature, Sabbath command, creates an inescapable tension. It presupposes that the preceding six days will have sufficed for the work that had to be done. 
Something implicit in Christ's invitation in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Namely, that anyone accepting it will be able to drop all normal occupations to do Christ's work. He has things for us to do. He's given you a gift. That's the proof. I don't have to argue that. But there's enough time. Anybody know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Yeah, her, her, she's the widow of the martyrs from the 50s, right, down in South America. Elizabeth Elliot made a great statement. There is, uh, let's see, there is enough time in every day for you to do all the will of God. I can actually know that I'm doing the will of God in my day. Maybe I've got some other things in the way. But here's what he said, pointing out not looking for law and legalism and Sabbath observance from the Old Testament can best be explained that that's not grilled into the New Testament because so many of the early Gentile converts were slaves for whom Sabbath or Sunday observance was an impossibility. They had to sneak out at night. They often met in the catacombs in the middle of the night, gave up sleep to worship. To have stressed its importance too much would have made second-class church members out of them. And today we have the same thing. We have people in medical professions and police professions, and there's jobs to be done, and you're in the same boat. That's why we have liberty, thank God. But he also adds, unfortunately, the exaggerated antinomianism, that means lawlessness, of many sections of the church today has caused many to lose all understanding of the truth that I'm going to show you in a few minutes of Isaiah 58 and of Christ's statement that the Sabbath was in fact made for man and not the other way around. It's a gift he's giving us. It's a gift. Let me finish my comments out of this and then I'll be pretty much done. Stopping to surrender. Our overproductivity becomes counterproductive. If we can stop and if we aren't busy... We feel guilty that we waste time and are not productive. There's a deception there. There's a lie. The daily office and the Sabbath are groundbreaking countercultural acts against against Western culture. I hate to say this. There are some things in Western culture that aren't healthy. (laughs) Shock. Anyway. Stopping for the Sabbath is not meant to add another to-do to our already busy schedules. It's the resetting of our entire lives toward a new destination, God. It is an entirely new way of being in the world. At the heart of the Sabbath and daily office, that's our private time every day, is stopping to, to surrender in, to God in trust, surrendering to God in trust. He'll provide enough manna on Saturday. I'm trusting him. As as theologian Robert Barron argued, at the heart of original sin is the refusal to accept God's rhythm for us. The essence of being in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop. He stopped. I'm to walk in his rhythm. There's something here to be pondered and taken in. Last thing I want to mention. This is a cool thing. The ancient uh, experience of rhythm for us, the Sabbath command that was given, is actually countercultural. 
Before the Israelites entered the promised land, Moses proclaimed further that the very act of ceasing from work in the midst of all the surrounding nations was a sign of their liberation by God. It was a sign. We're free. We get a day off in the week. We get to worship God. It was a sign of their liberation by God. The very act of refusing to succumb to the enormous pressure of Western culture around us, we too serve as a sign of a free people. We've been called out of a world trying to prove its worth and value by what it does or possesses. We are deeply loved by God for who we are, not for what we do. So... That's why a guy like Jeffrey Kirkland wrote, Attending church can be such a hassle. Seven reasons to fight for it. Fight for it. Because it is a fight. To worship God, to serve him, to set my mind in a believing place when unbelief is constantly hammered on me, right? Every day you watch it, television, everywhere else. Unbelief is just poured over your head constantly. Fight for it. Why should you fight for it? Let me just read his titles, and then I'm going to park on one that's significant for us as an assembly. For the sake of your heart. Well, there's a radical idea. Sake of your congregation. Sake of your leadership. For the sake of your temptability. Don't we need to be reminded? I do. For the sake of... I'm going to hold that one. For the sake of your conscience. This is crazy. For the sake of your Savior. Why was he last? I don't know why. He was the last one. In my mind, this is a, this is a non-issue. There's nothing to debate. I just do it. Like so many other things that I serve God, this is just part of my conviction, part of my habit. It's built in. If I moved away from here and I wasn't preaching to you guys and boring you to death, I'd be finding some other assembly to, to, to be edified at. I would. But here's the one I thought was interesting for us. For the sake of your witness. Oh, my goodness. One way you can represent Christ to the lost is prioritizing your worship. Priorities are good. Have them, hold them, stick to them. Eric Little did. And God's not putting that much rigidity on you, thank God. But there's something to be manifested in that. Let the law see you prioritize Christ and his word. If you don't prioritize meeting with Christ and the people of Christ and hearing the word preached, why would you think the lost would do that as they watch your mediocre attitude? Ooh, ow, he's, he's mean. I don't want to read him anymore. I'm going to skip over a verse that was in the text. You, you all know it. It's a, it's a preaching scolding verse, so I don't want to use it that way. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, you know. Let us not neglect the gathering of ourselves together. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. I mean, that's the kind of command that would be like out of the New Testament you might have to obey. Oh, I don't want to talk like that. But anyway, notice what it helps us with. The confession of my hope. I need that. I need to be around believers. I don't know, once in a while I'm finding a believer says something, go, yeah, that's right, that's absolutely true. Nobody else thinks that. I know that's true. Right? It speaks life to me. The confession. Embracing. Gesundheit. The embracing of the confession of our hope. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Amen? Amen. I need to be reminded of that. I'm out in the world five weeks in a row and don't hear that ever. 
I start forgetting, is it really real? Ever have that thought? Is, it, is this really real? I mean, really, when I, my friend Ron just went to see Jesus. When, when I'm laying in that casket, is that, is that real? I need the confession of my, my hope reinforced. I need to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And yes, the word stimulate means irritate. <laughs> and we're really good at that. And um, not forsaking our own assembling together. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to park on that. Last week, I was talking to Derek, that uh, Pastor Derek. We were. I'm saying I held off the the Sabbath command and about how how low a priority it seems to be among. Now I know it's our culture. I know it's lo- all of the churches. Okay, but it's here too. Big. And here was his response. I'm throwing you under the bus now, Derek. Well, if they don't want to come to worship, they need to sort their heart out. That's a good place to end. It's a liberating conviction. I'm booked. I've got a priority. I got a meeting. A pastor in Korea who had the biggest church in the world. He was blocked out on his schedule every day from like 9 to 3. And people were trying to get in. Nope, he's in a meeting. Guess who he was with? You bet he was. He had the biggest church in the world. I think he knew what he was doing. Let me give you a closing exhortation. I want you to think of this Old Testament verse from a New Testament liberation gift that God is giving you. A gift, all right? Look at this promise in the Old Testament. If because of the Sabbath you'll turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call Sabbath a delight, a holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways. In other words, he knew his people are naughty. I'm going to do my thing. I'm more important. My my priorities, whatever. It doesn't mean you never have fun. It doesn't mean we don't have liberty. We do, but we abuse it. From seeking your own pleasure, speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. You hear that? Not in legalistic, I went to church every Sunday, so I've got all the medals, you know, from Sunday school. I'm so spiritual. That's not what he's looking for. He hates that. You understand? But you will take delight in who? And does this sound like a blessing or not? I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, I want to bless you. Let's stand together. I know about you, I want to be blessed. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, God, we come and thank you that he has paved the way and made a way for us in spite of every lack in our life, every sin, every wrong turn. Every time we've even said, nah, I don't want to, you still have provided forgiveness for us. Cleansing and the open door for a relationship. You say to us, if we will come to you, if we will walk in humility, if we will agree with you, that you, as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Today, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to help my brothers and sisters sort out where their conviction is too shallow or where maybe even it's too rigid. It's possible in both directions. Help us, Lord, to have in our heart your honor and your glory and your name, Jesus, being lifted up above all our little junk. 
Help us sort it out by the Holy Spirit. We don't want Satan's false guilt and accusation. We don't want the flesh to get us prancing because we're so spiritual. But we do want to be in the place of your blessing. Blessing this assembly and all those who might see the witness of those who take the assembling of themselves together as serious business for God. Help us, we pray. Help those who are leaning in and wondering about this great Savior who absolutely changes us, frees us from our guilt and our bondage, and gives us new life. Help them to come to know you by faith. Draw them even at this moment to seek you out. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We're thankful. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. There's a free lunch. If you're a visitor, even if you haven't signed up, join us.